0: Welcome to Newborn to Teen and Everything in Between, the podcast from Bespoke Family.
1: I'm Bex. And I'm Claire. Thanks for joining us as we tackle the ups and downs of life with children, helping you to get the best out of your time together. No rules, no judgment, just guidance. So grab a cuppa and let's get started with today's episode.
0: Welcome to this episode of Newborn to Teen and Everything in Between, which this week is all about the importance of learning vital first aid skills as a parent. So to talk about her own experience of this, we're delighted to welcome Cyan Stephanie of At Moon and Roo. Um, And so welcome to our podcast, Cyan. Hello, both of you. (laughs) Oh, it's lovely to have you with us. Thank you, lovely to be here. In fact, we we kind of wish we had Rue as well.
2: I mean, that's like... (laughs) I mean, I can hear her. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So, you know, there's every chance. You never know, yeah. You could have a guest
0: appearance, you never know. Yeah, Um. So, well, I mean, can we just start off by finding out a little bit about you and your family and how you started to do what you do? Um, and I just mentioned beforehand that I know so many people, including my daughter, who absolutely love watching you on TikTok. So thanks for all those hours of entertainment. <laughs> um, so it just, I think Rue's cuteness and people just can't get enough of her. So um, so if yeah, just tell us a little bit about you.
2: Yeah. So um, Rue is my first baby and I was previously in teaching. And then when I had her decided to sort of hang up the whiteboard pen for a bit just to be mum and um, well actually I hate it when people say that just to be mum because we all know it's not a small job <laughs> so um, I basically started sharing some of Rue's weaning on TikTok and the response to it was huge people really enjoyed the videos I think just the joy of of watching them discover food for the first time and I know people can find weaning so overwhelming so I was just trying to mix in sort of good serving ideas, recipe ideas, all of that stuff. And then I would share two of her meals a week. And we did that from when she was six months to when she was about 18 months, just to show that first sort of year of weaning and what that looks like. Um, and it's been, I mean, it's been a wild ride, but we've had, like you say, like so many different people watching, people enjoying it for, you know, the the humorous side, just watching Rue, the weaning side. It's been a really sort of lovely, lovely community that we've built and alongside that obviously then I've been able to talk about other things like the first aid and and everything else.
0: Yeah I think it's um, one of those things when you start something like that it can kind of grow into so much more can't it because obviously she's a little bit older now um, and so perhaps you've kind of moved on in that but there's still so much to tell and so much to share and like you say it isn't just about being a mum is it it's about you know it's I mean it's huge (laughs) Mm. bringing up a little person and lots of people like you say are so overwhelmed so to have someone like you kind of helping them you you know along the way to show that you know stuff does happen and it's not all perfect Instagram and roses kind of thing yeah um, it's
2: it's really helpful absolutely it's just that idea of sort of I think the messages I've had from people they feel like they've just got someone holding their hand a little bit through it and showing that like not every meal is going to be perfect some days you're not going to have the energy to put something great together but here's something easy you could throw together and not feel so so bad or have so much guilt about it um and you know that idea that actually one meal might be great and the next meal they're going to throw on the floor and you'll feel like you've completely wasted your time and that's that's fine um people have generally responded to that really well and just felt I think just felt a bit of relief that it's not a straight line. As, as with anything in parenting, you know, it's not an easy journey from A to B. It's like herding fish. It's a bit mad.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Here's a brilliant description. <laughs> I had um, actually a mum of a fairly new baby chatting to me about, you know, they were talking a little bit about weaning and they were saying that they, they didn't really know what to do and they thought that they definitely would start early, which, I mean, is another whole debate. But... Mm. Um, they were talking about um, starting with, uh, they didn't want to start with baby lead weaning at all. Um, they wanted to start with purees. They were absolutely petrified. And, you know, I mean, I've spoken to Claire about this as well. And obviously Claire's the expert of the two of us. Um, but she, you know, it, it, you explained, didn't you, Claire, that actually you shouldn't, how, how old was it you said you shouldn't really start baby lead weaning by
1: well until they're around six months so that they're sitting they can hold themselves they can take something from the tray to their mouth it's much more of an independent and it's on their terms a lot of it and they need to be able to manage that whole process of Mm -hmm. the baby led weaning so there's lots of things that have to take you know be taken into account but it's not something Mm -hmm. to start you can't start it until they're developmentally ready to be able to do it themselves
0: But, you know, they were talking about it, even if, so that, like I said, they wanted to start early and, you know, we had a bit of a discussion about that, but, you know, then they started to talk about the baby led weaning and they were saying, even if we did do that, we would be too scared. Now, I know that you've had some pretty frightening experiences um, and perhaps you could just, on that kind of line, explain what happened.
2: Yeah, absolutely. and i think it's it's key in terms of what claire was just saying with the d- developmental side of it i think it is key as well for parents to understand that your baby can still choke if they're on purees it's really important to know that um because i think a lot of the time when people say oh i'm i'm too scared to do the finger foods i don't want to just stick to purees they're maybe thinking that they can avoid that altogether when really you do still need to know what might happen and you know with allergens and things those are all still possible things that can come up with purees um But for us, I mean, our earliest sort of scary experience was when Rue first tried egg. And luckily, I'd I'd done a lot of reading on allergens and I knew to only offer a very small amount for her first exposure. So I didn't just rush in. She had a tiny little bit of boiled egg and she came out in these really kind of aggressive hives, lots of redness and swelling. And it's just that moment of panic of, oh, my God, I'm on my own with my baby. This is happening. And if it gets worse... I'm not quite sure, you know, you, you, the adrenaline just goes, doesn't it? And you have that heart-sinking moment. Now, luckily for me, she it didn't get worse. She actually was quite calm. She didn't seem distressed, and the swelling did come down, and I was able to speak to my GP about it. But it was the first moment where I thought, okay, I, I'm actually not sure what I would have done if it had gone worse. Luckily, I live quite close to hospital, but, you know, with all those things considered, if there are breathing problems or whatever, you just don't really want to be in that situation again. So I'd sort of resolved by that point that any time in the future when I was trying allergens, I'd make sure my partner was home as well. You know, it's little things like making sure you're up and dressed, because if you're in your PJs and you've got slippers on, that adds a whole other level of worry. But it was just things that I hadn't thought about before. Um, so that was the first kind of scare. And like I said, that it didn't come to anything really dangerous. It was just, okay, she's allergic to egg. And we then took the necessary, necessary steps from there and spoke to the GP and all the rest of it. Um, And then the the second incident, which really sticks in my mind, was when she choked on a piece of apple. And she was around nine or 10 months old. I can't remember exactly. And the serving suggestion was thinly sliced apple, which is what I'd given her. But apple, it, it can be a choking hazard anyway. And again, they can choke on anything, even if you've served it safely. And I think what really stuck out to me about that moment was I'd heard a lot about the differences between gagging and choking, and I'd even spoken about them on my channel. But I think until you see choking, you don't realize just how different it is from gagging. Like there's a real moment of, you know, there's the silence and the way that they that they look panicked that is so distinctly different. Um, and in that moment, yeah, it was it was horrible, but I had already done a baby first aid course And so I knew the right things to do to get her out of her chair, to lie across my lap to give the firm back blows. And within the first round of back blows, the apple did come up, which from what I've heard since from first aid trainers, I'm sure the statistic they gave me was something like 95% of choking cases. The first round of back blows will get the blockage up, which is reassuring to know. Obviously nobody wants to be in that situation, but just to know that if you're following the right steps, you can actually resolve it independently. That, that's obviously quite reassuring to know. But in the moment, those, those things are just horrible and you don't want to end up in that situation and not know what to do.
1: No, you really don't. When did you take the first aid course? Did you do it before you started the weaning or was it something that just came mm. later on? Or?
2: Yeah, so I had done child first aid as part of my teaching And then when I was pregnant, I decided to do a baby first aid course, which it's weird because when I then went on to do my more recent work with St. John Ambulance, one thing I realized was that baby first aid actually finishes when they're one. Mm -hmm. And so then you need to move to the child procedures. So I'd kind of banked all this baby first aid stuff that maybe then wasn't as relevant anymore, but I I did it just sort of, I think I was about 35, 36 weeks. So just before she arrived. And it did help me feel more prepared, but I did still need to refresh it a little bit and look at videos and things before we started weaning just to make sure I knew what to do. Um, I'm not sure 30 36 weeks pregnant is the best time to learn anything, to be honest, but it was still helpful. <laughs> it still helped me feel that bit better. <laughs> I can imagine. you. Yeah,
0: you've got a lot on your mind, haven't you? This <laughs> bit. It's all a little bit... Um... But I mean, I think that having that reaction as well though, when you're in that situation, it's quite a difficult, you know, because your first reaction presumably is like your little one, panic. Uh-huh. Because, you know, your heart's in your mouth, you're, what do I do? So how on earth did you kind of regain composure to do it and remember and all those kind of things?
2: I think that is where keeping it refreshed in your mind is really important. Obviously, people who do first aid, you know, first aid responders, volunteers, etc., they're practicing all the time. So that it is literally second nature. And that is so important. It's it's almost like you just want to keep refreshing. And I suppose, thankfully, I was just able to to sort of have a bit of calm in that moment. But I do remember like, you know, my hands were shaking. I wasn't able to just scoop out of a high chair easily. I was all over the place. <laughs> which you are going to be in that moment, because like you say, you're just running on the panic of it. But I suppose it's about having it embedded and just trying to keep refreshing. These are the Mm -hmm. sort of things that are just easy to forget about and time passes and you just haven't really looked at or or refreshed your knowledge of it in a little while, but actually even just having those little reminders to yourself to go back and keep up Mm -hmm. with what you need to do. I think that's really important. So if a child is about to choke, what are Mm -hmm. the
0: things that you you do look for
2: yeah so more often than not with with something like gagging there is going to be potentially some redness potentially the tongue moving forward and you will see them physically sort of working the food forward it's like a like a recurring motion whereas with choking everything is almost drawn back a lot of people say loud and red go ahead silent and blue they need you but Sometimes with children of different complexions, that's not always going to apply. They're not going to go visibly blue so quickly. So I always sort of err on the side of caution with that one. But they do have a drawn back look. The tongue is in the mouth and it's the silence. Like they can't breathe. They're not making sort of loud coughing or spluttering noises. The tongue isn't moving backwards and forwards. And it's that sort of silence, which you would know if, if you see it. I suppose it's just it's almost a shame that there is no way to see it without it actually happening, which obviously we don't want. But I do think you you do instinctively know that there's that difference, and even if you're worried if they're gagging, um, certainly getting them out of their chair, laying them flat, administering a few back blows isn't going to be detrimental. So if they were if it was severe gagging and you're just not sure, I would always advise just giving the back blows anyway to try and see what comes up.
1: After you had that situation, did you become a lot more anxious around the feeding and that whole thing of potentially it happening again? Or did you see it as a in the moment and it's, you know,
2: it, it's not going to happen every time scenario? I think... For me, I was more wary specifically with Apple. And I went back to steamed Apple for another month or so, which I feel, again, is, is never going to be a bad thing to just take that little step backwards. But I really tried to not pull back too much on everything else because it, it, it can be a really slippery slope when you get too anxious with anything. And um, I was really conscious that I didn't want to make her feel panicked around mealtimes as well. So resorting to safer or meals you're more comfortable with, you know, good old pasta is is never going to be a bad thing. But I tried not to scale it back too much. But I did go back to steamed apple for a little while longer because I just thought, well, maybe she's just not quite ready for that. And, you know, so that's not an issue. And even now, sometimes when she's eating an apple, I'm watching her like a hawk. But It's just one of those things. But yeah, I tried not to take too many steps backwards, but a little step back is not the worst thing. So, I mean, I know Claire knows the answer to this, but (laughs) because,
0: uh, and I kind of do, but I think it's really helpful when you talk about, because I remember you said a a little bit earlier that the way that they told you to serve the apple was thinly sliced. Mm. So I know that with grapes, for example, there's a way that you should cut them, isn't there? And Mm -hmm. are there other kind of tips that you can give around different foods where it is less likely and like you say there's never you can never eliminate it and children can still choke on um purees for example so are there ways that you should and things that you absolutely should avoid so i mean there's things like mini eggs isn't there the big mm. thing that you really need to be careful of so
2: yeah yeah i usually try to apply the rule of um if something looks like something else, I would treat it in the same way. So anything that looks like a grape, like a cherry, tomato, whatever, I would always be quartering or even cutting into sixths. Um, Mm -hmm. Anything round basically is just a Mm no-no. And as well, one thing that I did find interesting when I did my training with St. John Ambulance is they talked about the fact that actually these things that we consider choking hazards are things we should be wary of until at least the age of five because a child's windpipe is so soft and delicate, it doesn't harden up really until they're into into childhood, that actually those things remain an issue. Things like popcorn, mini eggs, like you say, which people would give to five-year-olds really without second thought. And it's not that you can't, because obviously they have had a lot of chewing practice by then. But I suppose it's just that idea of still being wary of it and still being watchful. I mean, I still squash blueberries for Rue and she's nearly two. And technically, I don't need to do that anymore. But I just, I'm not physically there yet to not do it. And it's so quick to just squish them. And mm-hmm. I just still am. <laughs> um But yeah, I suppose it's just that idea of, you know, it's not that they get to one or two and suddenly those things are fine. You still want mm-hmm. to be careful.
0: Are things like skin on apples and things more of a hazard? So, or, or does it not, is it not really about things like that?
2: I think it depends on the age of your it depends on so many things the age of your baby how they eat because some of them are food stuffers and rush i guess you kind of know whether your child's one who's going to you know cram the whole bit in and not really chew it properly but in terms of the skin on the apple it's actually if you if you were to serve them a whole apple it tends to be less of a problem because they're almost grating it with their teeth a little bit or sometimes if you give them a wedge they can end up with a whole slither of skin Mm -hmm. and a lot of it really is you're sort of um, you're just thinking about how your child eats specifically them as an individual I know I've got friends who have got two children and they serve things completely different ways to the two of them based on the fact that one will shove it in their mouth and run around the coffee table five times and the other one will sit and, <laughs> you know, eat Rice Krispies individually. So, you know, it, it's it's really hard to say. And you know, it goes back to that idea of nothing is ever going to be 100% and you're just trying to sort of think individually about what your child might need.
1: Mm-hmm. I think mine's always marshmallows. Those They're Mm. the one thing that just make, when I see so many, because obviously baby chinos come with them, and they're going, "Ah."
0: they are a lovely thing. So even the little tiny ones, even the little tiny marshmallows,
1: they can be, because again, if they... Apparently it's the because they can expand. Gel together. mm, Okay. Because they go slimy, Mm. don't they? And children, if they keep them in their mouth and then swallow a whole few of them, they clump together so and then the big ones obviously again become slimy and sticky Um, and and the other one is obviously lollipops and they're kind of the hard and you just it's a lovely treat obviously if some people want to give that but it's like sit down can you just sit you know and that's not going to stop a child choking at all but it's just those things make me very anxious as well (laughs) when I see them
2: It's really hard because they're so Mm -hmm. specifically marketed to children as well. I think, Mm -hmm. you know, if people haven't heard the marshmallow thing, they never would assume that that's not a because they're soft. People just think, well, that's a great, you know, it's a great treat to give them. Mm -hmm. Actually, because it's because the windpipe is so soft, it won't move up. and Even if you're giving back blows, the marshmallow is unlikely to move up or down enough to actually leave the airway. That's why they're so dangerous. So, but people don't necessarily know that, I guess.
1: I think we have to just be really aware that you can you can choke on pretty much, you know, if you're putting something in your mouth and you're not concentrating mm-hmm. or it's not. I, I know that a few months ago, I was wandering around the house and I just took a handful of grapes and I sat down and put a grape in my mouth as I sat down and obviously it just caught. And it was a bit of a moment where I was like, oh my goodness, that was not a very pleasant Ooh. feeling. Um, and I think this idea that children don't you know they get to an age and you're fine it's like no we just have to be really aware I you know I had a six-year-old the other day saying why are you still cutting my grapes it's like Because you're always going to have your grapes cut until you're ready to do your own grapes. (laughs) Like, that's where we are. And you talked about um, squishing blueberries. I did that as well. And they're like, stop squishing my blueberries. (laughs) I'm big enough to eat them. (laughs) Stop touching my food. (laughs) Stop squashing it so it looks really unattractive. (laughs) And I'm like, "Um." (laughs) well, you have to sit there and you have to stop, you know, bouncing around. They're like, oh, I'm like, you're my responsibility.
2: Like, that's where we are. You either have blueberries or you don't. That's the thing. I mean, if you compare it to like other developmental skills, we generally like if we're chatting or whatever and we end up like sucking a bit of food back into our throat, we can navigate that quite easily. And it doesn't happen too often. But we can also walk down the street without falling over seven times, whereas they're so small (laughs) and it's also new that those things happen more often. So... Sometimes I think we fall into that trap of thinking, oh, they've been fine with that before, so they'll be fine with it forever now, but it's not always the case. It sounds really like I'm scaremongering and I'm not trying to at all. I just just think it's important to think about. You are.
0: And so, I mean, obviously you did do the training with St John Ambulance. Mm -hmm. How
2: did you find out about that training in the first place? So St John actually reached out to me because I had done a couple of videos about the importance of taking baby and child first aid course one of the things I get get the most comments about is people's anxiety around it how do you feel less anxious and I genuinely think doing the baby and child first aid helps with that because it just makes you feel that bit more equipped so obviously only one part of the puzzle then you just need to get started and get used to it all but it's kind of the only thing you can do before weaning to help you feel that bit more prepared for the actual practical side of it Um, so I've done a couple of videos just chatting about that and then they reached out to me and said oh we'd love to work with you to just get the word out a little bit more about this and they invited me in to do some first aid training which was great because I got to refresh my skills and ask all the stupid questions that I wanted to ask and yeah it was it was really really helpful and since then we've been able to sort of just share the resources more widely and have give people more access to videos and all the helpful information that they've got as well so can people do that course kind of all over
0: the country where you know where do people find out about a course so
2: St John specifically work mostly with like companies institutions going into schools and businesses etc but what they do have is they've got their online family focused first aid which if you go to sja.org.uk slash moonandroo, it's all there. Um, you can register for an online course and you can also just look through the resources. So that they've got first aid resources, CPR, drowning, and then also sort of things like croup, chicken pox, measles. Just, there's loads of stuff on there and they've all got really handy videos and stuff. So even if you weren't able to actually access a course, even just going on and having a look through and looking at all the videos is so helpful and it's been really good as well because I mentioned in in one of my TikToks for people who have like their parents watching their little ones one day a week or whatever just being able to share it and be like watch some of these is, is really ha- helpful I know that I'd done baby and child first aid and Rue goes to nursery where people are trained in first aid but not everybody's sending their child to a nursery or a, a registered child mind or whatever they might be just having family watch them or or other friends so it's really good to be able to share it easily and you know freely accessible for everyone to just have a look at
0: that's so interesting i didn't know that they had all that information out there so yeah how brilliant i mean because i remember i mean my twins are 17 now but i remember when they were very little going to a kind of church hall to do a you know a a course um, but there was nothing really, I mean, there was nothing online, there wasn't really anything, anyone like you kind of sharing that stuff. But to have that now is so useful. So the person that I was um, talking about earlier, who was a little bit nervous about, you know, that whole weaning journey, oh. to be able to signpost them to some to that kind of resource is just amazing. Um, to have all of that, to just be able to kind of, like you say, refresh, and even if you can't do a course, Um, just to have those tips is really useful.
2: Yeah, it's really good. And they are really thorough. They've got all the information there. They've got videos physically showing you all the different procedures or methods. And it's just that idea of being able to refresh. Like You're not going to go physically to an in-person first aid course every six months, but you might be able to just sit on the couch and have a look through some of the videos and remind yourself of the key things, which... You know, I'd, I'd done that baby first aid course when I was in my late pregnancy and even when I came to do it again with St John Ambulance about a year and a half later, there were things I'd forgotten or she would ask, me, do you know what to do in this situation? And I was like, mm. somewhere in my brain, I know that, but I don't know it right now and I wouldn't be able to recall it if I was in an emergency situation. So it's just that idea of keeping it as fresh in your mind as you can really.
0: So they cover choking, uh-huh. what else do they cover in that? In, if you do sign up for a course?
2: So they've got choking, um, CPR, things like seizures, drowning, what to do with burns, bleeding, allergic reactions and then on things like uh, scarlet fever, measles, croup, chicken pox, all the telltale signs to look out for and, and what you should do in, in those situations as well it's really broad and mm-hmm. the family focused first aid actually you can also go from infant all the way up to elderly members of your family if you wanted to like there's so, there's so much on there it's it's a really good resource. We just remember your first aid though don't we Because
1: you came on a first aid course you did paediatric first aid course with me didn't you yeah, um I did, yes. for the first time because you decided you wanted to but you know it was a really good thing for you to do wasn't it and I think if you can do it in person just even if you can do the so the CPR and I think the choking side of things it does just to have the kind of demo babies and Mm. the toddlers and things like that just to have that idea does suddenly put it into perspective what you might need to do and kind of the different ages and different sizes of the children and things like that, I think if you can find someone who can do an element of in-person, even if you do that once and then you do all your updating, I I just think it makes it quite real. It didn't help
0: really for me because my, my experience wasn't great in terms of the fact that I nearly passed out when we started to talk about <laughs> oh, blood. God.
2: Are you squeamish?
0: Because- <laughs>
1: But it was so embarrassing. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so I looked at Claire and I said, "I don't, I don't feel very well. I'm going to put you in the recovery position." Like, Are you actually joking? I'm going to have to, t- gonna have to put your feet up and lie you down and all that kind of stuff. Oh, and I'm God. like, so and he looked at me and he went are you okay um yeah, I
1: think
0: so. yeah. but luckily it was only a very small part of the course that we got through it didn't we we did yeah. god yeah god forbid if anything really does happen let's move not i mean not if it involves blood yeah not if it involves blood anything else i'd probably be okay However, I don't remember a mar- a, the mention of marshmallows. I do think that's quite a big thing that I did. Uh, that Did they talk about marshmallows? I can't remember. Yeah. I don't think they did.
1: But it's even things like sausages and all of those sorts of things.
2: Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. It's definitely handy in person doing it on the dummy, isn't it? And actually like, because yeah. mm. you have to be quite forceful, mm. which yeah. I don't think you- you'd necessarily expect.
0: You really do, yeah. I don't think on that one we had the choking one, did we? But we did when we did it on each other. But we in a one we've done before. My goodness, when you have the thing that you strap on that you put and you have to really thrust up to get the thing, the choking vest. That's the one. Uh, Yeah, yeah, the abdominal thrust things. Yeah, yeah, that was that was pretty yeah it's hard work really it's really hard work yeah Mm -hmm. yeah it is so cyan what do you would you say are the three things that really stuck have stuck with you i mean obviously i know you're doing kind of refreshers and you're looking at stuff but what three things or three things that you think would be really important for people to kind of remember
2: so number one, I think, and I know I've gone on about this so much, but just that need to refresh and share, like share the resources widely, because even if somebody doesn't have a child of their own, just knowing these things can really make a massive difference in that moment. Um, <clears throat> choking hazards, as we said, just remembering that they are still very much a thing into childhood. It's not just that when they've got used to food, they're fine. These things are still still something to be wary of. And um, maybe the third thing would be that idea of, uh, like the thing that stuck with me was how forceful you do need to be in some of those situations and how physical it can be and how you shouldn't be too too scared in the moment to really go for it because ultimately the other outcome is going to be worse. So, you know, just Mm -hmm. give it a good go, but definitely with the right methods. So once you know Mm -hmm. how to do it then just go for it if you do ever end up in that situation don't hesitate try to take deep breaths and not faint at any blood (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, hopefully not (laughs) but you know what some people a lot of people are squeamish with the idea of blood aren't they and then when they're actually in that situation your adrenaline gets you through but yeah (laughs) <laughs> maybe or maybe it'd just be another one in the recovery position <laughs> just hope to, yeah, yeah most likely <laughs> yeah probably
0: oh but um i think another really good tip is to go and have a look at that st john ambulance page um and and also to go and have a look at your um tiktok because you do share a lot of videos about it too don't you yeah, I um too. and kind of your own experiences I
2: think are really useful on that. So what's next for Moon and Roo? Well, I'm gonna carry on sharing the weaning recipes and helping people where I can with that and just having fun with it. And mostly just trying to keep sharing that message of doing things as safely as you can, pointing people in the right direction of resources, whether that's first aid or weaning recipes, nutrition, etc., and see you know how how where the journey takes me and how far we go
0: yeah it's quite exciting really isn't it i think yeah definitely such an engaged audience is um a real really powerful thing and i think you're doing some brilliant things with it so thanks on behalf of all of them thank you (laughs) thanks (laughs) so all that remains to say is thanks ever so much cyan it's really really lovely to have you on the podcast and thank you for having me appreciate you taking the time yeah thank you (laughs)
1: That's everything for today. Thanks for listening. If there's something you'd like us to talk about, we'd love you to get in touch and let us know. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Bespoke Family or head to our website. The links are in our show notes.
0: Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss the next episode and please give us a rating or review if you like what you hear. We're Bex and Claire and we'll be back soon with another episode of Newborn to Teen and Everything in Between. See you then!